0: Welcome to the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. Illinois Starnet envisions a future where early childhood professionals and families have the supports needed to provide all children with a high quality, equitable education in inclusive environments. Starnet's mission is to promote evidence-based inclusive practices for young children with disabilities. Professional development to support educators and families meaningful child outcomes through innovative and engaging learning experiences. To find out more about Starnet Regions 1 and 3, please visit starnet.org home. Hello,
1: this is the DAP series on the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast where we examine content that relates to the fourth edition of the DAP position statement and recently published Developmentally Appropriate Practices in Early Childhood Programs book. I am your host, Emily Riley, and in today's episode, I get the chance to talk with Arian May, Margie Bonzali, and Allie Bison, all early childhood educators in the Chicagoland area who are passionate about play and K. Um, so thank you, Arian, Margie, and Allie for joining me today. i really excited and eager to have this conversation and to hear about all the work that you've been doing around um, play and kindergarten and just advocating for that. Um, I also... I have a daughter right now in kindergarten, so I'm also like personally just invested in this conversation. I'm an early childhood um, professional myself, but also I'm just kind of living this kindergarten experience right now with my daughter starting kindergarten. So um, I would love to just get started off right away with um, hearing a little bit about each of you and um, just about your work in early childhood um, as we get started. Since you said my name first, I'll go ahead and introduce myself first.
2: Um, I'm Arian May. I've been in education for over 10 years. I have a master's degree in instructional leadership and in early childhood education. And my journey with play-based learning in kinder really started um, in August 2017 when I started teaching kinder. And I was just so shocked at the difference between what I remembered kindergarten to be and what it actually was when I was teaching it. Um, I was shocked at how sedentary it was, how many worksheets we were doing and how much how many standardized tests my kiddos had to do. And really at how the at the pace of learning that they were doing, it was like so fast and so rigorous. I felt like I was like a taskmaster the whole year. Um, And so even more confusing to me was being given uh, the kids tool, which if you don't know what it is, the kids tool is a resource that you use to observe kids to gauge their kindergarten readiness level. But that tool primarily focuses on using observations. And most of the observations would have been based off of play-based learning or social interactions, um, both of which my kids were not getting a lot of. And so I was just like so frustrated. And I was starting to talk to like different kindergarten teachers. I was like, is it just me? Am I the only teacher who can't find the time to like find these quality um, observations. And I realized, no, I'm not the only kindergarten teacher struggling with doing the kids tool and this observation of play and um, social interaction. So I went home over the summer and started thinking about ways to kind of make myself more in line with being able to both do my curriculum and be able to do the kids tool with fidelity um, and just bring more joy to my class. And really, that was a big thing. And when I came back the next year. I did play based learning the whole year and my kiddos like really grew. Um, yeah, I was amazed. It was so night and day between the amount of joy in the classroom the amount of things my kids were learning even they even did better on the test the standardized test at the end of the year even though they had been doing a lot of play-based things they just did better overall um, and then I ended up at Teach Plus because it really put a fire under me to like be the uh, advocate for my kids and for my teachers and I'm sure Margie or Ali will talk more about Teach Plus and how it um, helped teachers voices and be an, an advocate in play-based learning. But that's where I met Ali and Margie and Margie's great work on play already. And Ali's great just mind for how kids work and how teachers should be doing this work. So that's really how I got to be in play-based learning.
1: Well, thank you, Arian. I really, um, some of the key words that you said that really stood out to me was that joy piece. Um, also, just because the new... Um, updated definition I guess of development appropriate practice they highlight that they embed that in there so um and I feel like I want you to say again what you said about um that year I came back and I offered play and what happened like the standardized testing scores (laughs) actually (laughs) increased so it's like wait I think people need to hear that more because um I don't know if that is sometimes like the concern about why, you know, play-based instruction is not encouraged as much, but you all can share some more of your insights around that. So, all right, Margie, you
3: want to go ahead and hop on and share a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um, hi, my name is Margie Bonsali. Um, I am a pre-K teacher and I have been a pre-K teacher for the last 12 years. Um, Pre-K is my passion, and the reason pre-K is my passion is because I love play. We love to play. Play is like the learning tool we use in our classroom. We spend, unlike most kindergarten classrooms, we spend the majority of our day in play. It's like flipped. You know, 90% of our day is play, and the other percent is whatever whole group, small group, kind of more direct instruction. And so what um, really got me involved in this work is Speaking to kindergarten teachers and knowing um, developmentally appropriate practice and knowing that play is really beneficial for kids up until the age of eight, which is early childhood, not just up until the age of five when they enter kindergarten. Um, speaking to kindergarten teachers and realizing, oh, wait, they, they, the kids are expected to f- completely flip that schedule and you know spend most of the time in their desks and their chairs and not get enough time to play. And why is that the case when we know that play is the best way that kids learn? There's tons of research done. Um, so along this journey, um, I got my master's in reading. I got nationally board certified. And that's actually how I met Allie before I even joined the Teach Plus organization. And then I decided to join Teach Plus to learn how to advocate for what I know is developmentally appropriate for um, early childhood kiddos. And um And what we did was we spoke to kindergarten teachers that were actually implementing play in their classroom um, as a district-wide initiative because of the adoption of the kids' tool and kind of did some research, case study, sort of research on what play looks like in their classroom, what the benefits they've seen, what the barriers they've they've seen, um, and kind of come up with some recommendations that we have for the state of Illinois to adopt based on our, our research. And I also have two kids in kindergarten this year. Um, so that is also very personal to me as well. Yes.
1: Yeah. My daughter came from a Nisi accredited early childhood center. And then, you know, it started kindergarten this year and she's, um, the first couple of weeks was one time she even said, mommy, my legs hurt. I'm from sitting so much. So Mm -hmm. it was, yeah, a a very, like kind of what you said, you noticed Erin, you said you noticed that kind of stark difference between what you saw happening in kindergarten when you first
4: started teaching. So yeah. All right. Well, thank you for sharing Margie and Allie. Hi, um, I'm Allie Bison, and I am a first through third grade teacher in Chicago Public Schools. And I work at one of the public Montessori schools in the district. And um, it's, it's wonderful. We have the full range of early childhood right here. It's our preschool through first grade or third grade, really. Um, and um, I have spent my experience, my 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 twelve years in teaching um, in traditional preschools, in traditional kindergarten classrooms, and then in Montessori classrooms for early childhood, which is three to six year olds, and then six to nine year olds, uh, which is where I currently teach. And um, in the Montessori environment, we're all about student led. Uh, experiential um, learning and i think it fits so in line with uh this definition this of uh, that nacy has put out of what play really is um choice based uh, led by the child uh guided by the the educator and um what brought me to advocating for play in kindergarten actually comes from my experience as a first grade teacher i feel really privileged in the fact that i am able to have lot of play in my environment because of the structure of a Montessori classroom where we're not block oriented. We have a lot of choice and independent work time. And what I was noticing is my students that had that previous experience, whether that was with play and either in a kindergarten setting in a traditional classroom or coming from the Montessori um, choice-based experience for their three to six-year-old, that they were coming in prepared Um, academically, cognitively, their social skills, their language skills were right where they needed to be to engage and and continue the play in the first grade classroom. And I noticed that some of our other students that were coming from some of these environments that Arian spoke of, where it's uh, drill-based, worksheet-based learning, were not ready for the work that I was doing with my first graders. Um, And so I wanted to to offer that for every child in Illinois. And so um, joining... Our Teach Plus fellowship, uh two years ago. This is my, I guess, my second year, um, and I like I, uh, the others to shared share working with um, both Margie and Arian to sort of advocate for that that access to play for all children um, in kindergarten. But then, as we say, let's push that even further. <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Right. Well, just think about even just the mental health benefits of play in adults too, right? I mean, early childhood, we're talking birth through eight, but like play, I think has a role just (laughs) across the whole lifespan and overall well-being. Um, I'd love to hear just a little bit more. We might have some listeners who are wondering a little bit more about Teach Plus. I mean, you kind of talked about um, Teach Plus helped many of you become more advocates and just kind of build some leadership skills Um, So do you want to want to share just a little bit more about Teach Plus for um, our listeners who that might be new to them?
3: Sure, I can share a little bit. Um, So Teach Plus is a national organization and their mission is to empower excellent, experienced and diverse teachers to shape, take leadership um, over key policy and practice issues that advance equity, opportunity and student success. And so really what that means for educators is it allows us to have our voice heard and to um, and, and to advocate for what our students need and we what we know is best practice without leaving the classroom. So that's what kind of what really um, made Teach Plus interesting to me is that I could do this work without having to leave my classroom because I'm not ready to give up my work with my kids.
4: Great.
3: Thanks, Margie. Arian, Allie, did you have anything else you wanted to add about
1: Teach Plus?
2: I think Margie pretty much covered it. Um, I think Teach Plus just gave us a wonderful um, way to use our teacher voice to advocate for like actual practice-like issues that we do in our classrooms and kind of wanted to push forward, but didn't quite know how to do that on our own. Teach Voice kind of gave us the tools to, this is how you push forward this um, education policy, or this is how you get this in front of a legislator um, or try to get some movement in it. So, um, yeah.
1: Right. And Margie, you mentioned when you were sharing some of your experience, you talked about recommendations. Um, Can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, is that a published uh, paper that was disseminated after some of that case study work that you've done or where might people find that uh, if they're looking for recommendations on play-based instruction?
3: Yeah, it's a published paper that um, Teach Plus is an organization published and there is a link to it. I'm not sure if I can give you that later to put in your episode notes or something like that. Yes, uh, absolutely. Online, it's available through the teach plus website. Um, and like I said, what we did was we did a case study with four um, school districts within the state of Illinois and these school districts were varied and where they were located. So we had one large urban district, two suburban districts and one um, and two small, sorry, one suburban district and two small rural districts. So it wasn't like we were just looking in one location and one, you know, um one setting. And um I can talk a little bit about what we found and the recommendations. Is that what you want me? Yeah, that'd be great. Thanks. Um, So we found there were three main things that we found. Um, We spoke to admin and teachers within these districts. And the three things that we found were the how play was implemented. Um, the barriers that teachers were facing in play, and then, of course, the positive impacts that these teachers and administrators found in play. So um, the biggest thing that was varied was the implementation across um, the classrooms within a school, both within a school and schools in the same district. So the implementation was most consistent when play was first introduced. So several years ago when the district was like, all right, we're going to start playing putting play in kindergarten, those teachers received a lot of professional development and a lot of support on how to make that happen. But teachers then that, that joined on in subsequent years um did not get that same level of support and that same level of professional development. And so they kind of had a hard time starting to use play, understanding how play can be implemented in their classroom. And so that was one of one of the biggest findings that we had. Um, the other theme that we found was the barriers that a lot of teachers faced. So even though that district that the play was a district level initiative, um they found that teachers like own philosophies of play, their own philosophy of these are early childhood education were really a barrier to how well they were able to implement play in the classroom. And again, that support that the newer teachers that started after their first year of implement, implementation did not get that same support. Um, another barrier that they found was the lack of funding for materials, space, and other resources that are needed to create a play-based environment in the kindergarten classroom. So we found that many districts receive, um, support federal funding or state or district level funding for pre-K classrooms for materials, for play-based materials, but the kindergarten classrooms don't receive those same resources. And so kindergarten teachers had a really hard time um, creating that learning environment, the physical space they need for play in their classroom. Um, And possibly the biggest thing we found were the positive impacts that teachers found from play. the most noticeable impact that teachers mentioned was their social emotional skills. Um, all of the leaders and all of the educators at the student inter- said that student interaction was better when students were allowed to play. Um, one of the principals that we spoke to said that their first graders, first grade teachers noticed that there's less negative behaviors. The kids come in with better conflict management skills. Um, and need fewer redirections during their group work after they were in a classroom that used play-based instruction in kindergarten. Um, And as Arian mentioned, many of the educators said that play-based learning definitely improved um, their standardized test scores, their reading and math achievement, and definitely better oral language and vocabulary skills. So that was kind of our big findings from, from talking to all these different educators. Um, and based off of those findings we came up with four recommendations and so the first recommendations we have is for isbe to um, adopt a statewide definition of play and that piece of the variant variation of implementation of play we feel like a lot of that could um a lot of that could be solved through a standardized definition you can like google what play is and you'll get 20 different answers, and you can ask a teacher what play is, and you'll get so many different ideas. So if there's a statewide definition, programs and classrooms can kind of build what play looks like around that definition. Um, and kind of with that definition, we also recommend that ISB require play in their daily kindergarten schedules. So I know there's you know, districts have their recommendations of what minutes of math and of um, ELA should be, but we also we want be to recommend minutes for play, um, and then we want um, because of that lack of professional development that we we found we kind of have two levels of that. We recommend that all administrators that have kindergarten in their classroom or in their buildings be required to. Um, go through a developmentally appropriate practice or play-based professional development as a part of their um, renewal, their administrative renewal licensor, um, so that they can appropriately support their kindergarten teachers. And then we also recommend that teachers, those kindergarten teachers receive ongoing professional development around developmentally appropriate practice and play-based learning in their classrooms. And then finally, the last thing we recommend is these teacher these teachers be given adequate financial support to be able to implement play in their classroom. So um, given that kids is required tool, the teachers need the adequate support and the adequate materials so that they can use the kids tool with fidelity. So if they don't have what play-based materials in their classroom, the the assessments and the, the score that we get for kids are not gonna be accurate. So kindergarten teachers should be provided with a stipend to be able to use for purchasing these play-based materials in their classrooms.
1: All right. Thank you. Wow. That was a really like concise, but detailed overview of um, those recommendations and what you found in those case studies. So like, so what's kind of, what do you see um, as your role next? Like you all have kind of been part of distributing these recommendations you're advocating for play um what's next to kind of push this forward i
4: guess um i can talk a little bit about that um one of the things that we're hoping for is um from from this from this brief that margie's uh fellow, and her fellows worked with uh we we put together a series of guidelines for ISBE on how to implement um, play-based learning in kindergarten setting, and we are hoping that ISBE will adopt these guidelines. As Margie was saying, if it's coming from ISBE, um, we have more likely uh, more teachers to 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 actually start implementing play into their into their classrooms, and so that is our next step: is to hopefully have them take this on and and see this through
1: fruition. Mm -hmm. I'm wondering too. So of course you're thinking at like, you know, the policy level here. So kind of, um, for those educators right now who are kind of feeling like they maybe don't have that, um, administrative support because, um, maybe that administrator just, you know, has not, um, had developmentally appropriate practice training and um, is not sure what play-based instruction looks like. And is kind of skeptical of that. Um, what are just some recommendations, not necessarily like within this policy brief, but like for an educator, if you were talking to a teacher who shared like, I'm just really struggling, like I don't have the support, like that kind of maybe philosophy kind of, you know, is not in alignment, like they believe in play-based but feel like um, they're just not getting that support for implementation from, implementation from the administrator. How can they be an advocate for themselves, like within their building?
2: I think the biggest thing is it starts with themselves doing it in their classroom. Um, I think my um, administrator really came around when they started to see how well my kids were adjusting um, to doing play-based learning. Um, Because we started just in math and then we expanded to different areas. And so then it became easier to have conversations about bringing more materials in and what it would look like to do it in other areas as well and adopting it to other classrooms. Um, We actually had fellows uh, prior to us um, from, I think, the 2019 2020 Teach Plus cohort that actually created an advocacy tool for teachers to actually have those conversations with their administrators so we could send that link to you too. Um, But (laughs) but it's a really great tool because it shows you, (coughs) I'm sorry, how to have that conversation with an administrator. What are the things that you need to research on play-based learning? Um, How do you make compromises in that conversation and how do you make that ask? Um, and so, it really also has a really nice resource at the end that kind of gives administrators a continuum of what play-based learning looks like. Because I think, especially from with with administrators that don't come from an early childhood background, when you say play, can be very scary because they think of play like recess play, like. Mm-hmm. And recess play to like the untrained eye kind of looks chaotic. But for me, I love recess play. But (laughs) for people who aren't used to seeing it, like that looks crazy. And so when you say play-based learning to an administrator that doesn't come from an early childhood background, they're like, what are you talking about here? They cannot just play all day. And so the tool really gives a nice idea um, of how play-based learning helps kids to develop in their developmental skills, both cognitively and emotionally and the benefits. And it also gives like some great resources at the end. Um, So I would encourage them to first start in their classroom uh, and think about what play-based learning means to them and how they're going to create a model that can successfully through observations prove to your administrator that this is an effective way to teach kids. And here's the data. Um, I think it starts with you and then having the conversation, of course.
1: Also, that example you shared, I think might make it feel less overwhelming. You said, you know, you started just in math, right? So I'm going to kind of focus and really have a starting point and start small and then build upon that success and kind of, you know, okay, now let's look at how this could look in another area of the classroom and all the content that could be supported and learning um, in other areas. So I think that's a really helpful Um, kind of strategy and tip for educators as well. And just like knowing the brain science, right? I think it's kind of a lot of what you're like saying too, like being able to just communicate and have that conversation um, as well. Anyone else want to add in like any suggestions you would have for teachers around advocating for play more at the local site level?
4: Um, I think it's always helpful to connect with others that are doing play. Um, I think that, you know, we were able to find one another through these different professional organizations and hear about the experiences from one another and see it. Um, You know, last year I learned so much from Arian just talking anecdotally about what she was doing in her classroom. And two years ago when I was doing my national board certification, same with Margie, her just sharing what she was doing with her preschoolers. Um, So connecting to those professional communities. Um, similarly, I know we've been referencing the um, developmentally appropriate practice um, reference, but just connecting to other professional organizations like NACI, um and seeing what opportunities, what workshops they have there. Taking some time to get to know others and seeing how they're using play in their their classroom, um, and then also just having like a playful disposition. As we were saying, as adults, like we learn best through play, and I think that if you can even just get in that mindset that. If I'm having just a side conversation with a child or just this tiny little instance, that can be play just in a one minute session. Um, and then it doesn't feel as scary when you start to think about planning more explicit uh, direct learning um, objectives.
3: Yeah, and I just wanna add connecting with other teachers doesn't have to be is this huge thing like Teach Plus or national boards. Um, It could just be talking to your colleagues and reading the developmentally appropriate practice book from Macy or looking at some of the articles Macy has, you know, released about play and play in the classroom, kind of doing your own little article study or book study. So like starting small. Um, I would also recommend if you have pre-K teachers around, if you're a kindergarten teacher and you have either pre-K in your building or, you know, close by daycare or some, somebody who'd be a, pre-k teacher that'd be willing to have a conversation or willing to have you come in and observe and see how play is used in the classroom and how it's really a learning tool and not a free-for-all i think that's a really great experience for kindergarten teachers to see it in action Mm -hmm.
1: yeah thank you getting those kind of learning partners in that group i know we need that kind of energy right (laughs) when you get the chance to talk with other people and network. And I think that, yeah, kind of builds the movement and that's really what we need in Illinois. So, um, Allie, I want to go back to you with a question Um, you had mentioned um, when you shared your bio with me, you had talked about social justice as an area um, that you've kind of shared your experience and knowledge with um, at conferences. um, And part of that includes advocating for equitable play in kindergarten. Um, So can you like, just share and describe a little bit about like what what is actually meant by equitable play and what that looks like in practice.
4: Sure. And I'm sure my other two colleagues here can tell more too. Um, But for me, I I think it's, it's, it's very frustrating as an educator um, when we think about how play is not accessible for all children in our state. Um, And that definitely breaks down along socioeconomic and racial and cultural lines and um, the simplest uh, little anecdote that I, I think about is my daughter's a preschooler. And I was recently looking at some of the, the schools in our neighborhood, um, just for you know my own future ideas of kindergarten for, for my daughter. And um, I was looking at public schools, I was looking at private schools. And if you go to the websites of, of the, the private schools in our, in our area in Chicago, they only exclusively talk about plays, play-based learning in a classroom. And this kind of aligns to the higher um, tuition costs of those schools versus some of the public schools that are in our neighborhood that do not reference them, but reference some other practices that might not be as developmentally appropriate, as we were mentioning, that might include children sitting for larger time periods on a rug, sitting in whole group setting with more teacher-directed instruction. And so... um, for me, it's it, it's it's just something that I I feel that we all as educators need to work on. Whether or not, um, if if we have that in our class in our classroom, that's great. But um, to continue to advocate that for all, because we know it's best practice, um, and so we want to break down those barriers that are preventing that from happening across our state. All right. Thank you,
1: Margie Arian. Did you want to share anything else around? equity and, and
3: play. I just think play makes the you know the academic content and, and what we're trying to get these kiddos to learn just so much more accessible across the board. You know we're not asking them to sit and listen to something or listen to a story that they might not have the background knowledge for. Um, it's like we're bringing the content to them instead of forcing them to sit and listen to a lesson that they don't understand or they can't wrap their mind around. And so no matter what the diversity is in your classroom, they have, they lead their own interests and they lead what they want to do. And then I can bring, I can bring the academics to them, whatever that may be. And I can bring the social skills to that, whatever that may be that they need, you know, one kiddo might need to learn how to ask for help because they're so shy and can't, you know, they won't, they'll just sit there and be frustrated with the packet they can't open. Whereas another kiddo might need help with sharing. And so when you allow them to play and kind of follow their lead, you can target whatever skill they need um, where they are instead of doing a whole lesson on here's how we share. (laughs) What, you know, instead of it being us guided, it's guided for them. And so that meets kids on you know any income level, any racial group, any gender group, wherever they are. So it's really the most equitable practice we can use in our classrooms. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. You're really using that observation and being in tune with the children and that strength-based approach, right? Kind of seeing what they're able to do where, yeah, maybe they could use some um, support and you can embed, embed those skills right in with, with what they're doing with their play. So thank you. One of the um, one of the, I guess, um, challenges I've kind of seen with some educators thinking about play, particularly for young children who might have an individual education plan or program, um, feeling like um, sometimes they feel like they have to provide something more structured um and teacher-led for children with disabilities or because yeah they kind of feeling that pressure of like oh I have to really make sure these very specific goals are being implemented I have to do it this very certain way and so sometimes I feel like you know I see maybe like children with disabilities are, are not always giving that access you know Allie you talked about you know just access for all children and I think yeah when we say all children I mean all children receive benefits from play right I think it's like thinking
2: about like for children, especially with kids with disabilities. Um it's providing the least restricted environment. And so a child will naturally do better because play is innate to all children um, with and without disabilities. And so that's naturally what they're going to do. And it's just choosing the materials and choosing the way you present it to them in a way that is accessible to them. So it's just like you do it, but you do it in a different way. So like Play is beneficial to all kids um, because it's innate to all kids. They might play differently because of their um, differences that they might have, but they all do it.
4: And I feel like, Margie, you sp- spoke to this too. It's just that it, it's on us as the educator to find the best environment for them to feel the most comfortable to play. And maybe that means bringing in more supports, visual supports, um, additional literacy connections, you know, building up that relationship with our families so we know our students really well and and connect where they are. Um, But, you know, that that should fall on us um, to provide that environment for that child to be the best child that they can with that play environment.
1: Thank you. This conversation is like really making me feel so hopeful about early childhood that we have people out there who are are really advocating and so passionate about play for for all children um, in the early childhood years. Um, So as we're getting ready to wrap up, I think I would love to just hear real quick if each of you has like a favorite resource around play or maybe it's a book maybe it's a video like is there a resource that you think you know can really whether it's pulling in an administrator an educator really be like oh aha yes like play is the way (laughs) are there any of those resources for you
2: (laughs) my current favorite resource will be the one that we created (laughs) but I'm biased.
0: Uh, (laughs) I love that. (laughs) And we will Uh, link that,
1: right? And I will link that in the episode notes for our listeners.
2: (laughs) Yeah, but it gives a really great definition of play-based learning because we, Margie's, we've talked about educators really having a different lens on what play-based learning means. And it gives a really nice um, concise answer to this is what play-based learning, this is what teacher guided play looks like and what student-initiated play looks like. And then it gives a breakdown on what are the look-fors for guided play, teacher play, and what are the look-fors for student-initiated play. So I think for someone who is definitely new to play-based learning, it's just a nice starting place of this is the definition and this is these are the things I need to do to get there.
1: Hey, Margie, Allie?
4: Is that the same for you? <laughs> Is that your favorite resource too? Or you have something else to of add? Of course. <laughs> I feel like we're probably all big fans of, you know, Vivian Paley and her research and, and work in, you know, the crisis of kindergarten. Um, but honestly, one of my favorite eye-opening um, videos that I like to put out for people that are new to play, especially as an older uh, grade student for first through second, um, for third grade is there's this this 12 minute um, documentary, it's called Kane's Arcade, perhaps you've seen it. Um, and it's about a eight year old who designs an, an entire arcade out of cardboard boxes in the back of his father's um, auto shop. And I think it tells this great story about what play can look like, especially for older students, but how um, it really can be facilitated by the child. And there's so much you can go through so many different layers that it can be taken and how it really builds community. Um, And so I think it's a really good starting point for some people that are new to what play can look like. um, And it's really entertaining as well.
1: I actually have not seen that, so I'm definitely going to be looking at that and sharing that with others as well. Thank you, Allie.
3: Um, I love all the NACI resources, but one of my favorite is, um, I was just looking, oh, from play, from play to practice. And what it really, I love it because it forces us as educators and grownups to engage in play. And then, kind of from that, see how play is so meaningful for us, and how we can apply that towards kids. So, if there's anybody really who's trying to maybe convince either their coworkers or um, their admin to to participate in play, I recommend them to look into that resource, and it kind of helps them kind um, of personalize play so that then they can apply it to their classroom. It's good at convincing others. <laughs> Sounds like another
1: great resource. Well, thank you, Arian, Margie, and Allie. This is really, um, I really enjoyed hearing about your work. And again, I just, what you're doing is so important. And I look forward to just seeing hopefully this progression in Illinois with more play based instruction in kindergarten. And, um, yeah, I will probably be trying to maybe keep in touch with you because you all are a wealth of knowledge and, um, have a lot of resources. So. Yeah. I appreciate your time today. Thank you so much. Um, Thanks to all of our listeners for joining us today. Um, This has been the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast, and we hopefully will continue to um, push out some more episodes in our DAP series. So feel free to reach out to Starnet if there are specific topics around DAP that you are interested in hearing about. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you. Thank
0: you. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Starnet Regions 1 and 3 podcast. If you have any questions or concerns, please reach out by emailing starnet at wiu.edu or submit a request by clicking on the Request Services tab on our homepage.